Hello and welcome to the first episode of Flow for Meets in 2019. Well, Happy New Year to all of you. I know it's a bit late. Well, depending where you are, Chinese New Year just been a few days ago. But yeah, may this new year be full of love and light for you. I really want to thank you so, so much for all that wonderful and motivating feedback we got for the last episode. This was really overwhelming and I cannot tell you how much this really means to us to know that there are people out there <laughs> listening to what we're doing. So yeah, well, if you don't know what I'm actually talking about and you want to know what flow for meets is, um, here's a short intro. So flow for meets is the podcast of Flowful, which is the blog of Lars and me, and that we talk about food, lifestyle and being. And with that podcast, flow for meets, we want to create a platform to all wonderful people, projects, organizations and enterprises out there that contribute in whatever way to a more sustainable world. We talk about how easy it is to contribute to a change, but we don't sugarcoat the challenges you have to face. On Flowful Meets, people share how to learn from mistakes and how they keep motivated. Well, hello, early morning sunshine Shining in through the shutters of my window Well, I'm glad I can see you again It's been a long time, my very old friend Sit and talk for a while. Today, Flofo meets Junko Kobayashi, a member of Brownsfield in Japan, which is just 80 kilometers from Tokyo. Brownsfield has many layers. It's an organic farm, a vegan cafe, a shop, an accommodation, but it also has a huge educational component. For almost two years now, Junko lives and works at Brownsfield. She grew up in an international environment and she was traveling around the world for a while, but at some point she felt like it's time for her to go back to Japan to connect with her own heritage and culture. So she came back to Japan and found Brownsfield on her way. After traveling, I felt like it was time for me to go back to Japan and learn more about my own heritage and my own culture. After traveling, I was already interested in alternative and the sustainable way of living, uh, which was inspired by my stay in Australia, uh, such a beautiful natural environment. And I was living with families that, that were doing natural farming. I was very inspired by them. And when I went back to Japan, uh, when I was 25, I wanted to continue living that way. And at the same time, I wanted to also learn more about Japanese culture, Japanese food, uh, and Japanese heritage and Japanese spiritual beliefs as well and how our ancestors lived. So I went to look for a place where I could learn all that and Brownsfield came up uh, to be the right place because they really focus on the way how the ancestors have lived and taking back that skill and knowledge of making things on your with your own hands. Junko was helping out a friend who signed a lease for a land not far from Brownsfield and went to Brownsfield for lunch. And this lunch was actually a life-changing experience for her. Brownsfield's cafe is plant-based and as the founder of Brownsfield, Diko Nakajima, is a famous macrobiotic chef. They just use fruits, veggies and rice from the land and from the local farmers around and they make their own miso, soy sauce and vinegar, which are essential fermented foods in Japanese cuisine. 
So Junko decided to stay as a staff member and fully commit to the traditional yet innovative lifestyle of Brownsfield and its macrobiotic concept. And I have to say we were so lucky to have Junko and her friend Kana coming to Gaia Ashram to volunteer. When they told us the story of Brownsfield, Lars and me were really, really inspired. A family came from Tokyo to this place in Chiba, um, seeking to live in a countryside. So that family was the, the macrobiotic teacher, she's the owner, and her husband. And they had five children, and they were living in Tokyo in a small house. And because she was following macrobiotic method and philosophy, she and she and her husband never read they were seeking to live organically they want they wanted to feed their children organic food but um, buying organic food in tokyo was really expensive and also not fresh because tokyo doesn't really produce that much so you had to buy um, vegetables from other places and so by the time it gets to tokyo it's not as fresh and it's super expensive so she realized she can't afford to keep feeding her children like that and she because of that she had to work really hard to earn the money to buy organic food so she realized this isn't sustainable so her and her husband went to look for a place in in the countryside and so they decided to move and came to this place and it was uh, lots of bamboo overgrowing bamboo forest which is really common in Japan. So they moved into this old Japanese house and they little by little they started fixing it up and also I think by doing that it started to attract travelers and people that were interested in that sort of work fixing up old houses and also I think around that time Everett had an idea to start hosting woofers yeah, they started making compost toilets and started expanding in the farm. Started also farming rice as well. It's, and so that took them maybe about 10 years of slow um, evolution, development. Then um, about 10 years later, people started to come to just look at their place like just entering her property without no permission or no appointment and they're like oh like can I just come in and have a walk around and and so she was doing her thing and she because people came wanting to know about the place oh she had to stop what she were what she was doing and explain or maybe give a tour or have a tea with them and she realized oh um i can't go on like this um she can't be productive and she realized if people are coming to to see her place and have tea then i might as well open a cafe and so they did with the help of volunteers, they transformed an old chicken house into a cafe that in the beginning was actually also run by the volunteers. Diku, as a macrobiotic chef, helped with the menu and they used the natural farming rice, the soybeans and the wheat from the land. And of course, they used the homemade miso, soy sauce vinegar and umeboshi, which are Japanese pickled plums. Brownsfield was contributing whatever was possible to the cafe in terms of food and produce, but in the beginning it just wasn't enough. So in 2014, they became pretty much self-sufficient in rice. 
Of course, it depends on the year. Some years they do need to buy, and some years they had enough for themselves. Um, and um, also, they were making enough miso for the whole year. They were making enough soy sauce for the whole year. Um, enough vinegar um, as well. So, um, pretty much all we need, all, what we needed to buy was salt and oil. Oh, and maybe sugar. Um, to make the enzyme syrup mm. with the fruits that they grow um, and everything else was yeah coming from the land we focus on growing um, our own rice and soybeans and wheat so that we can make our own miso and soy sauce and we can have our own organic rice grown in the land because those ingredients are the main part of our diet we eat rice every day, we use miso every day, we use soy sauce every day. And also we make vinegar out of the fruits that grow in our land. And then vinegar is fermented um, by the microorganisms and the bacteria that live in the land as well. So meaning that we're taking the nature's energy um, directly from the land every day. Seriously, how amazing is that? Being self-sufficient is really something that I admire so much. But hearing about the holistic concept of macrobiotics really changed my perception of self-sufficiency as a whole. And not only because I am so fascinated by the magic of fermentation. In macrobiotic, there's the two big philosophies. And one is whole food. So you, you're taking, for example, you're eating a potato, you dig a potato and then you eat the skin and the roots um, as a whole because the vegetable or living beings have its complete energy as a whole. So you're trying to take that energy as a whole and not wasting or throwing away part of it. Um, and another big philosophy is um, you are one with the land you live in. Um, so, so you can, yeah, more like you cannot separate yourself from, from the land that you live in. So you are trying to eat locally and you want to eat something that's in season. That, um, and from that idea, growing rice on their own, uh, making soy sauce and miso themselves from the soybeans and wheat that and rice that grows in their land is a big part of macrobiotic because because you're putting the energy to grow the soybeans and you're harvesting that and also you're fermenting you're fermenting miso and soy sauce with the ingredients that you grow in your own land and with the help of the microbes that lives in your area so you're one with, with that environment completely. How to become one with the environment around you and why it is important is also the key thing you learn when taking part in Brownsfield Sustainable School, which is one of the main programs at Brownsfield. The Sustainable School is a year program that goes from spring to autumn and 10 to 50 people come one weekend per month to Brownsfield. They usually come from the city and... They learn about uh, living, living with the nature. 
So we all do、um, planting rice together and weeding, and also harvesting the rice. So it's like the you can see the whole season, and also we make. We make enzyme syrup together from the fruits that we harvest together, and also we do natural plant dye, and also we do、uh, natural farming courses. We cook together every time, so they can get、um, Deco's cooking class as well, and we do lots of sharing. Yeah, so it's a great introduction for people who want to experience the life in the in the countryside, and also who want to experience what it is to. To receive nature's blessings, natural resources, and use our hands to process them in the way that that we want to use it, and also giving back to the nature by doing compost or using compost toilets. So,、um, and it's it's great because it's not just a one-time workshop. You keep coming back to Brownsfield every every month, so you really see the different each season, different plants grow, different herbs grow. Yeah, that's a that's a popular program, and every year we we do that, and、uh, they become part of like a Brownsfield family. And even after the program finishes in autumn,、uh, they're always welcome to come back. Some of them even become Brownsfield staff because they really fall in love with the way that we live. So they quit their job and and come to Brownsfield. By the way, many courses and workshops take place at Brownsfield Event Space, which is a renovated and partly modernized traditional Japanese house that carries its very own story. This is a long story, but there's another part of it. In that house, there used to be an old lady living. That old lady and the woofers had some nice communication. So, because the Indeko's house, there was no TV or no proper heated、um, heating system. So the roofers used to go to that grandma's house, <laughs> and then they would they they were seeking a warm, warm house and also watching TV, and yeah, so they had some good like relationship, community friendship, and、um, communication going. And and then one time I think after the earthquake, two thousand and eleven, the children of the of that old lady. Didn't want her to live in her, in in that house by herself, and she was getting older. So they invited her to come to I think Tokyo. So that old house became available. So it ended up being sold to the real estate, and the real estate company bought it, and they had a plan to completely wipe that、um, property and that two hundred year old Japanese house, which was still in good shape. And it had in that property had many fruit trees that were hundreds years old, <laughs> so Deko didn't want that to happen. But she didn't have enough money to buy off buy off the land. So Deko did a crowdfunding campaign, and it was very successful. She was able to buy the house and the land around it, with all its old trees and plants that are providing the community and the cafe now with lemons and plums and a lot of other things. The house now is an event or workshop space that can host up to twenty people, which opened up a new business for Brownsfield. They can have big yoga retreats now or big natural farming seminars slash workshops, and they have people coming from all over Japan. 
So people who come to Brownsfield and see us living full-time, living and working at the same time, and they see us struggling with the, the work-life balance as well. But that's really the reality. When you decide to live in in the, in rural area and you create your own job, you do face this reality of wanting to do your own thing and at the same time working, for example, doing your business, uh, coming up with your strategies uh, and making enough money to sustain your life at the same time. So it, we show everything to the people who who come and stay with us and we don't hide anything. So people get to see all the goods and bads and the dilemma of yeah our, our life. I think which, which is great um, example and also which gives courage to people who are considering to do the same thing. At workshops in the city, they, they teach you how to make miso, they teach you how to use herbal medicinal plants, but you only get to see a part of it. You just see everything is provided for you. And okay, let's make miso. Let's make herbal tea. And everything's provided for you. So you don't see how it was grown in the land or or what you do after you use them. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's holistic in a way that people get to see everything from beginning to the end. But Brownsfield is not only inspiring and teaching people from the outside. Actually, being a staff at Brownsfield means learning every day. Brownsfield is like a school and Deco is like a mother to everybody. And she shares her wisdom, experience, knowledge uh, with us. And we learn from her and also just learn ourselves by living at Brownsfield for two to three years, usually. And we learn so much about living one with the nature so taking nature's resources, using our hands to process and giving back to the nature and also how to cook and how to choose what to cook and also how to heal ourselves using the medicinal herbs, nature's gift. So we learn all that and we leave Brownsfield with all that experience. For example, we have People who have graduated from Brownsfield and now living in Hawaii and they have their own jungle retreat with a natural built guest house and a permaculture garden. Or we have a natural farmed vegetable food truck. Um, he travels around Japan and gets connected with the natural farmers and he sells the natural farmed vegetable in Tokyo which is quite new. It's, it was hard to get in Tokyo back then. And we have a, a vegan chef slash teacher who used to work at Brownsfield. And now she, she's quite popular in creating menus, uh, vegan menus for like magazines. And also she has her own vegan cooking classes. She publishes her vegan recipe books. And also we have a couple who used to be in Brownsfield and now they live in a, in a mountain in the countryside and they have their own vegan products like vegan energy bowls and cookies. Also the husband bakes natural yeast bread. Yeah, we have a variety of people who found their own passion through living in Brownsfield and also meeting inspiring people through Brownsfield and they have found their own path and now they inspire people in their own way. 
They even published a book with interviews of Brownsfield alumni, where you can read about their experiences at Brownsfield and how it influenced their lives. So a couple of years ago, the staff at Brownsfield had an idea to publish a book themselves. And the book was about going to meet those graduates, the alumni, and having interviews with them and asking them what their life was like at Brownsfield and also what they do now and what they learned from living in Brownsfield. And yeah, so it was like lots of funny stories <laughs> and there's lots of pictures. And also it, it gives you an idea of the history of the Brownsfield as well because you go and meet those people who were at Brownsfield at different times. So you, have, you get an idea at different stages of Brownsfield. There's lots of recipes that they recall um, their favorite recipes from Brownsfield. Um, the book also explains about our efforts to reduce the environmental impact, how we live daily lives and trying to yeah, reduce the environmental impact. Yeah, and the book, book was published through crowdfunding, so it was like a pre-order system. Yeah, that, because that book is out now, um, we can send the message to many people that don't have the access to come to Brownsfield. For example, you live far away in Japan and they can still get some essence of, um, of how we live and how we try to live with nature. Urbanization in Japan is really crazy. I did a quick research and I found a number that in 2017 over 90% of the population are living in cities. And of course this makes crowded cities but also empty countrysides, right? Even more when you consider the aging population. So the government actually tries to approach that topic by giving empty countryside houses away for almost no money. Maybe you read about it on social media. So I'm wondering what could make a rural life more attractive for people? I think for, for the rural communities to attract more people to come to rural areas to make it more vibrant is that I think we need a few very attractive projects happening in the same area. For example, in our case, we have Brownsfield and we also used to have a very cool bakery which used to only use the natural yeast taken from the air so they never added any like additional yeast to make their bread so they just gathered and collected the yeast from from the air so we used to have this really cool bakery and brownsfield and also we have another key person in our community who runs a web media and he he gathers informations and articles about alternative living and sustainable living and also social change. So he runs this web media and he has lots of um, information and knowledge. You just need a couple of attractive key people or projects and, and naturally people start to come wanting to be around those people. and. And when you start to get those people, then they want to start their own coffee shop. They want to start their own recycled store. So then new business start to pop up. And I think eventually that whole area becomes more vibrant. But what I see in Japan is in every place that are becoming more vibrant and vibrant in a rural area, there's always some um, inspiring people, projects 
happening and it just takes a few of them happening together for for it to start having more people. I think that Brownsfield is contributing in a way by hosting people who are interested in moving to the countryside and they stay with us and see how we live. I think there are a lot of people who live in the city who are thinking or considering to move to the countryside but they just don't have the courage to to make that step. Well first to quit their job to lose that financial stability and also just they just don't have the skill to for example do farming or to take the nature's natural resources and use that for themselves. So they come to Brownsfield to see it firsthand and and get an idea okay how this okay that's how it's done that's how it's done and also they gain they gain courage and, and encouragement by just getting connected with us because the staff that live in Brownsfield um, we were were in our 20s or in our 30s and often people who consider moving to countryside they live in the city and they don't find people who have the same ideas or same values so they feel like they're alone and they don't have anybody that they can share their ideas um, or their concern about the environmental impact of living in the city. So they come to Brownsfield and find out that there are so many people or there's such a big network of people living in living this way already. And it's not just the grandmas and grandpas that want to live in the country, but also it's the people in their 20s and 30s having so much fun living in the countryside even though there's no clubs and there's no hundreds of cool cafes and restaurants but at the same time we have fun in our own way and we're so living living happily and also at the same time we're really serious about reducing the impact on the environment so the people who need this kind of encouragement and a bit of a push they come to Brownsfield and they, they receive that from, from us, from DECO and from the bigger network, not just Brownsfield, but also all the people that were connected. Um, we can give them information of where to go next. As they start their journey, they eventually they just feel confident to, to step out of the city life or the, their corporate life and finally move to a countryside to start their own place. Junko says that transitioning from the city to a life at Brownsfield was easy for her. Also because when she committed to stay there for a few years, they already had a salary system that allows her and the other staff members to experience a different lifestyle but still generate an income. Yeah, Brownsfield went through different phases where they used to just have volunteers and whatever the money they raised they would just divide within themselves that was one part of how they used to run that place and then they made a shift to the salary system so that they could have more committed people because they wanted people that can stay there long term which is two to three years at least and taking more responsibilities or seeing ahead. Also, the longer they stay, they get better at what they do. And eventually, it just the community starts to run more smooth 
also not having to keep teaching the new staff the same thing all over and over. When you have a group of people that are there for two to three years, the second year or third years, the productivity goes up so much. And also we have, we have the motivation to keep contributing to, to this place because we get, we're getting paid. Yeah, also I think getting paid the same amount is, gives you some space in your creativity to try new things as well because if you're only getting paid the amount that they that you make you want to go with the non-risky direction like the the direction that you know that's going to be well so you can't really risk trying new things but because we get paid the same we're guaranteed to get paid the same amount every month I feel like in some month, we can be creative and try new things. Maybe we change menus at the vegan cafe. Or just that we can be a little bit more relaxed in some month. When we don't have as many customers, we can take more time and to care for ourselves and more ha have more fun. But, but we're still getting paid the same amount. Even mm. though in busy month, and we make so much money, but still we get paid the same amount. But it's okay because in other months we were more lazy and we're more relaxed. So it just balances out throughout the year. Through that experience, you gain courage and you, get, you feel empowered and you, you feel like you have enough knowledge or experience to, to leave that place and start your own business. I really feel that this is an amazing opportunity and a good way of finding your own way of living. And yeah, as Junko says, get the whole picture of living in the countryside with all its ups and downs. So really like spending two to three years is like the minimum time that you need to get this idea because every year it's different, right? So you have your business as a, for the guest house or the cafe or having workshops to generate money. And at the same time, you have your farm to compensate or to grow food so that you don't have to buy those food at the same time. So you're really getting, getting an, an idea of how much of energy you want to spend on your business, how much of your energy you want to spend on your farming yeah, I think spending two to three years and still while having that financial security, doing this is like a, yeah, very great opportunity. It's like really like a school, school of life. Talking to Junko seriously gave me a lot of food for thought, as I personally feel that I'm lacking something, but I just couldn't name it. So learning about this holistic connection with the land, with the help of macrobiotics, really makes me want to settle down and experience exactly this for, well, at least two to three years. What an insight! I never felt like this before. Junko said that Deko actually never had a vision for the place. She just really lives with the flow. She always says it's happening to be this way. And for me, Brownsfield's theory of change carries that spirit. In Japan, most people live in cities. What disconnects them from traditional ways of living, especially from important parts of the Japanese cuisine? But there's a change of consciousness going on. People become aware of the work-life balance. They are interested in a more sustainable living, but they simply don't know how and where to start. So furthermore, organic food and veggies are hard to get in cities of Japan. 
Based on the philosophy of macrobiotics, Brownsfield evolved into a blueprint for rural living and became a knowledge hub that is preserving wisdom and heritage and traditional Japanese culture. Brownsfield acts as an entrance point for many people that inspires and encourages people to find their own path towards a sustainable life. So by giving the opportunity to experience rural living while having the financial security, people are able to reconnect with nature, tradition and heritage. Combined with Deco's wisdom and knowledge about macrobiotics, natural farming and other sustainable living practices, Brownsfield opens doors for people, maybe visitors, staff members or course participants. And even more than that, with a strong network of alumni of Brownsfield, people are able to create vibrant and vivid areas throughout Japan's countryside. So whenever I will be in Japan, which I dream of for a very long time now already, which is mostly because of Hayao Miyazaki's animes, I have to admit, but I will definitely make sure to visit Junko and Kana in Brownsfield and experience all the beautiful and inspiring things by myself. If you want to learn more about Brownsfield, check out their Facebook page or especially their Instagram for daily updates and have a look at their amazing work and fun pictures. Thanks so much, Junko and Kana, for coming to Gaia Ashram and sharing your story. If you liked this episode, if it inspired you as much as it inspired me, please give this episode a thumbs up and share it with your friends. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want to know more about us and about our journey beyond sustainability. As usual, you can find all links in the show notes below and on our website flowful.org. This beautiful music you hear is by Andrew Healy. Thanks very much for listening. Be flowful. Well, now we sit in the sand, holding hands, watch the sunset over the land, and I'm glad that the bright blue water and the brown on the ground and the frown on your face is upside down. Sunny palm leaves on the coconut trees sway above our heads with the breeze through the leaves. These colors bleed as one. All of these colors bleed as one. All of your colors bleed as one.